Welcome to the AIPT Movies Podcast with your hosts, Alex Harris. And with them, as always, are Tim Garner and Matt Paul. Cookie sounds are the a natural backdrop to podcasts. I suppose so. I suppose. The crickets in the night. Guys, something really funny happened to me. Oh, fuck. Oh, okay. Bring it. So Diana and I were out in Western Mass. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just having a, a couple days away from our children, um, who we <laughs> love so much. Um, <laughs> and we were sitting outside. The place we were at was kind of like on like a main drag. And we're like rocking in, a, in, our, in these rocking chairs. Diana's drinking wine. I may mm-hmm. have had a couple puffs from my weed pen um and (laughs) we see this figure walking on the sidewalk coming towards us and i mean all i can there's no other way to say it besides he walked real weird he he (laughs) he he just walked really funny he just had a funny walk sorry okay sorry though yeah sorry pc police um, it was kind of like half between like a skip and like a hop, but at a very like like he was on a mission. He was Ooh. going somewhere. He had somewhere to be. <laughs> and the closer that he came to us, we realized he had things in his hand. He was carrying things. And upon the closest he got to us as he hopped by us, we realized in his hands were two boxes of frozen bagel bite pizzas and a bottle of rosé <laughs> oh man um so he was Ooh, he had somewhere to be that's the dream i hope he got laid at least <laughs> yeah I mean, if he didn't he like didn't it. need it he has bagel bites and rosé i mean honestly I know. that's a perfectly good night alone if needed do we need anything else <laughs> really in life <laughs> and you guys were like you know what let's get some bagel bites I know. Well, and the two boxes, it's like, I mean, I could definitely, I mean, those things are tiny. Like, I'm like, honestly, like. Oh, I used to plow those things. But like two boxes, I feel like two boxes and the bottle of rosé means a duo, means a yeah. date. Yeah, you're probably. That's quite the date <laughs> night. Yeah, <laughs> I used to eat uh, bagel bites all the time. And one of the only, I think the only time my dad ever made a comment about my eating. I, I took him out of the microwave, and he's like, cheese and those things really sticks to the inside of the microwave. I can't help but wonder what it's doing to the insides of your body. And I was like, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Anyway, get a little of the shit this kid wrote. Alex? <laughs> Alex? Yeah. Alex. There will be no more food forthcoming. <laughs> That's right. That's what he used to say to the cats. Oh, classic. Well, thank you for that story, Matt. I enjoyed that. Anyway, hello and welcome to the AIPT Movies Podcast. I'm Alex Harris. I'm an independent writer slash director. You may know me from my rom-com about a 30-something who still lives with his parents and doesn't even know how to feed himself, but his parents hired interventionists to help him figure out how to at least make PB&J, and that's when the fun begins. Failure to lunch! Gotta say, Alex, uh, I agree with the critics when they said it made them hungry from something else. (laughs) I hope so. I mean, <laughs> the somewhat sexy PB&J creation scene, you know, with all the, you know, nine and a half weeks type stuff going on. 
I'm pretty proud yeah. of that, I have to say. It was an excellent use of speed ramping, you know, so well done. <laughs> when the finger went in the... I know. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Hi, I'm Tim Gardner, man in suit actor, contortionist, mime, green suit guy. You may know me from my role as Vin Diesel's wig in Sidney Lumet's comedy drama, Find Me Guilty. Oh, man. That's a, that's a deep cut. A, a Vin Diesel wig, that's like a rarity. Who else gets to be a Vin Diesel wig other than you? Well, it's all thanks to genetics and having the right kind of a hairy back. <laughs> Ew. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm Matt Paul, and I'm totally not a script doctor. So you definitely don't know me from rewriting the entire script for Lady in the Water. Ooh. <laughs> uh... I was trying to think about anything that I remembered about that movie, and I, <laughs> and I honestly don't. I was like... There were monsters in there, right? Like some kind of like fairy tale monsters. Even as something. the writer, you don't remember it. I, I mean, know. not that you wrote it. It was that good. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's why we don't remember it because it's that good. That's the twist. <laughs> anyway, once again, in an affront to Matt's hopes of our continued coverage of the Alien series being so popular that Ridley Scott hires us to make the official. Prometheus podcast, we have some <laughs> corrections from the previous episode. Um, I wanted to point something that occurred to me after we were talking about how weird old Wayland looked in Prometheus. Uh -huh. And I was wondering, I wonder if it was purposeful. I wonder if he was supposed to look like someone with a bunch of futuristic plastic surgery who had then aged. Hmm. You know, because like when people get plastic surgery and get old, they look so right. weird. Right. Um, I don't know. Just the thought. Could have just been bad makeup, but who knows? Very, very generous theory of you. <laughs> I'm just I'm just trying to stay on Ridley's good side. Oh, fair, fair enough. I mean, he is a knight. He does have a sword. Yes, of course. And maybe he'll, I don't know, tell me stories about his brother, Tony. <laughs> also, I want to point out, we were talking about Logan Marshall Green, uh, who was in Prometheus, yeah. and how I, I was a fan, but, but Matt was not. And I, I realized that part of the reason I like him is because he was in that movie Upgrade, who was directed by... Um, yes. Uh, Lee Winnell, uh, or Lee Winnell, I don't know how to pronounce, but I really like that movie Upgrade, and I also know him from- Yeah, no, Upgrade is a, is a pretty fun flick. Yeah, it's good, and I think it's actually on the list of movies we might cover at some point. Um, and I also know Logan Marshall Green for the time he was shot by Marissa on the OC. Uh, did you recognize him from that, Tim? Oops, uh, sorry about that, Alex. I didn't, didn't mean to shoot you there, and uh, finally to- to be clear, they reveal Lambert, Veronica Cartwright's character from Alien, as trans in the sequel Aliens, when her file is shown briefly while discussing the events of the previous film. God, uh, the gun, man. I... Man, getting shot hurts. Anyway, <laughs> uh, that's it for corrections. Let's uh, let's move on to some news. I, I really gotta remember to stop referencing that infamous shooting scene from the OC. Seems like it always ends up in me getting shot. God damn it. Anyway... Tom Cruise reportedly acted as a liaison for the Screen Actors Guild during negotiations with AMPTP, the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers. But unfortunately, AMPTP was not willing to meet him in the middle of the plane he was hanging off of. So committed. He could have just been in a boardroom? I don't know. <laughs> it's a boardroom, but at the end of a long shaft guarded by laser beams. <laughs> Tom would probably say, there's a reason it's called a boardroom. <laughs> no one would find that interesting. That's not cinematic. Ooh. Masters of the Universe live-action movie is officially dead at Netflix, which may be a good thing since apparently they were going to simply alter a previous movie and release it under the new title, The Grey Skull Man. 
<laughs> Would people even know the difference? They don't remember. <laughs> Michael Sarah says the sudden fame from the success of Superbad made him want to quit acting. Wait, wait, wait. He was acting? <laughs> I tried to say that like how in Scott Pilgrim, he's like, bread makes you fat. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Perfect. Bread makes you fat. Yeah, he's so good at that movie. He was kind of acting in that one. Yeah. James Cameron says he warned everyone of the dangers of AI in 1984 and people didn't listen. Hopefully we don't ignore Cameron's other warnings and start discarding common sense to arrogantly send flawed vessels into the ocean. Oof. <laughs> hmm. Perish the thought. <clears throat> Snap. Too soon? No, yeah. never. <laughs> <laughs> The prequel to a remake you probably forgot about, Pet Cemetery Bloodlines, will oh, be yeah. released in October on Paramount Plus. I don't know. There's something especially odd about the producers of this movie not seeing the dangers of bringing back something that was, you know, better left dead. Hmm. Hmm. We'll Look see. <laughs> Christopher Nolan says he has no interest in returning to the superhero genre. Which means they'll have to find a new director for the sequel, Captain Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> that sounds awesome. When is, the guy, when is that coming up? Uh, <laughs> John Woo has officially started production on the remake of his own classic action film, The Killer. Natalie Emmanuel and Omar Sy are set to star, but so far there's still no info on who will play the remakes version of Chow Yun-Fat's iconic mustache. <laughs> That's for the killer fans out there. Nice. It's, it would probably be you who plays the mustache anyway. Well, I mean, again, you have to have a certain kind of back hair. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> it's partable, folks. I mean, it has to be partable. Anyway. <laughs> The Bread Sonia teaser trailer will debut at San Diego Comic-Con, which is very upsetting for the fans who are hoping to enjoy the trailer in private. Ew! Ew! <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, seriously, I'm, I'm really curious to hear how the, like, those weird Bread Sonia fans are going to react to this. I know. Production on Deadpool 3 has halted due to the SAG-AFTRA strike. Not only will that potentially delay the movie, but... It also means Deadpool will definitely squeeze in a joke about it. You know it's coming. It's coming. Like, Ryan Reynolds is, like, putting in a, a note in his phone right now <laughs> for potential punchlines. A reboot of Dan O'Bannon's classic film, Return of the Living Dead, is in the works. I don't know. There's something especially odd about the producers of this movie not seeing the dangers of bringing back something that was better left dead. Oh, hmm, interesting. <laughs> James Gunn confirms that the new DC Universe canon will officially begin with Superman Legacy, causing Snyderverse fans to respond, yet another cryptic message from Gunn that we may never be able to decipher. In additional Superman Legacy news, Barry's Anthony Carrigan has been cast as Metamorpho with Isabella Merced as Hawkgirl, Eddie Gathigi as Mr. Terrific, and Nathan Fillion as Guy Gardner. Unfortunately, still no news on who will be playing Tim Gardner. <laughs> I can't believe not even a phone call. Not even. What the fuck, James Gunn? Unbelievable. Come on! They put your cousin in there, but not you? Nah. Ugh. Guy's gonna be bragging about this for so long. <laughs> anyway, that's it for the that's it for news. Let's move on to new releases. 
now playing in theaters as Captain Oppenheimer. Uh, oh, sorry, this is the prequel. Uh, Oppenheimer. The story of American scientist J. Robert Oppenheimer and his role in the development of the atomic bomb. The historical events-based drama is written and directed by Christopher Nolan. It stars Killian Murphy, Emily Killian. Blunt, Robert Downey Jr., Matt Damon, Florence Pugh, and Betty Safdie. I've heard a rumor that Benny sucks. Did you guys hear that? I did not. No. But yeah, no, it was I like something I saw a little while ago. I didn't hear anything about it since. So actually, I want to ask a question that's kind of embarrassing. And depending on how poorly this goes, this may or may not stay in the episode. What's the <laughs> difference between... So the, an atomic bomb is not nuclear, right? No, it's nuclear. What's the difference? <laughs> It's semantics. Semantics. Okay. All right. That I was always been confused. I was like, wait a second. Are they two atomic, different things? An atomic bomb has a nuclear warhead, thus a nuke. Okay. I guess they both, they both cause fission, baby. It's all right. fission. They they and and they create either Captain Oppenheimer or, or Doctor Manhattan. Either way, you know. <laughs> either way, yeah. Either way. Either way, a central nervous system is first seen dangling in the air on. <laughs> Imagine fucking Killian Murphy just blew with his dick out, just like floating around in the sequel. <laughs> now playing in theaters is Barbie. Barbie suffers a crisis that leads her to question her world and her existence. The plasticine comedy is written and directed by Greta Gerwig and co-written by Noah Baumbach. It stars Margot Robbie, Ryan Gosling, Emma McKay, oh, Emma Mackey, Will Ferrell, Simu Liu, and America Ferreira. Finally, another prominent role for Simu Liu. <laughs> I, he's a great Ken. Ryan Gosling's a great Ken. <laughs> I know. I keep hearing Ryan almost steals the movie. Love it. Mm. If you need someone to have a blank stare like a doll and you can't go better than Ryan Gosling. I know. He's perfect. Honestly. Now playing in theaters is Cobweb. Horror strikes when an eight-year-old boy named Peter tries to investigate the mysterious knocking noises that are coming from inside the walls of his house and a dark secret that his sinister parents kept hidden from him. The horror movie is directed... The horror film is directed by <laughs> Samuel Bowden. It stars Lizzie Kaplan, Anthony Starr, Cleopatra Coleman, Stephanie Bussey, and Woody Norman. That's the thing that's produced by Seth Rogen, right? The horror movie that he produced. Oh, I don't know. I believe it is. Cobweb. Quick, to the internet. To the internet! I'm pretty sure. Seth Rogen, producer. Seth Rogen. I like what you did here. <laughs> yeah. And I that's cool. And uh, I like Lizzie Kaplan a lot. And yeah. Anthony Starr. I mean, I haven't seen him in anything outside of the boys. So that should be exciting. He was in one skit. On the Netflix's one season run of Auntie Donna's Big Old House of Fun. <laughs> All right. There's a reach. There's a reach for you. I mean, he's clearly a really good actor, so I'm curious to see him in more things. He, I mean, Anthony, what show was he? He was um, in another show that got him the boys. Uh, Patriot uh, or something like that. Is, it, is that what it was? It's one. Of, it's it's uh, something along those lines. Was it the Patriot? Yeah, I, I can't recall at the moment. But yeah, it was, oh, I can't, oh, Banshee. Banshee. That's what it was. Yep. Yeah. yeah, I've heard he was really, really good in that. Yeah. Coming soon to theaters is Talk to Me. When a group of friends discover how to conjure spirits using an embalmed hand, they become hooked on the new thrill until one of them goes too far and unleashes terrifying supernatural forces. 
The latest A24 horror film is directed by Danny Philippou and Michael Philippou, I guess. It stars Sophie Wilde, Joe Bird, and Alexandra Jensen, Otis Donji, Miranda Otto, and Marcus Johnson. I saw a preview for that. I forgot about it completely. I, I did too. And then I, when I saw it, I'm like, oh, then the trailer came flooding back into my brain. So I was yeah. like, yep, going, going on with Coming soon to theaters is Haunted Mansion. <laughs> a single mom named Gabby hires a tour guide, a psychic, a priest, and a historian to help exercise her newly bought mansion after discovering it is inhabited <laughs> by ghosts. The latest Disney ride come movie is directed by Justin Simeon. It stars Rosario Dawson, Tiffany Haddish, Danny DeVito, Owen Wilson, and Lakeith Stanfield. Have you seen any of the things from like the red carpet where they just have people from Disney? From like the yes. ride because they get have the actors so funny. Yes, they've had their yeah, Disney's costume actors. Yeah, way to pivot. Coming soon to theaters is Sympathy for the Devil. After being forced to drive a mysterious passenger at gunpoint, a man finds himself in a high stakes game of cat and mouse, where it becomes clear that not everything is as it seems. The action thriller is directed by Yuval Adler. It stars Nicolas Cage, Joel Kinnaman, and Kai Wai Lyman. I still haven't watched the trailer for that for some strange reason. Really? It is very, very good. Really? Oh, man. The trailer. The trailer is like, oh, oh, we got crazy Nick Cage. Well, I'm in. I mean, Nick and Nick and Joel just hanging out. That sounds that sounds pretty great. Robocop versus crazy guy. <laughs> so, yeah. Yep. Robocop. Um, <laughs> all right. That's it for new releases, which means it's time for what do we watch this week? Bill, there's nothing to worry about. Everything's going to be just fine. You lost your arm in a car accident yesterday. We've transplanted another arm for you. How does it feel to have someone else's arm? Dad, it's sort of gross. Well, that's not how it looks. It's how it works, right? I think there's something the matter with me. Oh! See your arm? Billy! What's going on? There's something wrong with the person I used to belong to. You have this guy's arm. You don't have his personality. I want you to run my prince. Any past record I had would show up on the printout, right? You put a killer's arm onto my body and you didn't tell me. That arm can't do anything you don't want it to. How do you know that? It came out in 1991, but this week we watched Body Parts. After losing his arm in a car accident, a criminal psychologist has it replaced with the limb that belonged to a serial killer. The sci-fi body horror film is directed by Eric Redd and stars Jeff Fahey, Kim Delaney, Brad Dorif, Zakes Moquet and Lindsay Duncan. It was produced by Frank Mancuso Jr. from a screenplay by Eric Red and Norman Snyder, who dramatized a story that Patricia Herskovic and Joyce Taylor had based on a horror novel choice oh <laughs> based on the horror novel Choice Cuts by Pierre Boileau and Thomas Narcissac. <laughs> perfect. Oh, perfect, that's perfect cool. French. Why do you recognize those names? Yeah, they wrote um the novel, the book that Alfred Hitchcock's Vertigo was based on, and um, I believe they wrote the book that, where they wrote a book called Diabolique 
that was made into a French movie, and I think it was remade at some point too. But yeah, well, the the Hitchcock connection I think was, was going to come up anyway. Interesting. Oh yeah, for sure. So as a warning, I'm sure there will be spoilers as we discuss body parts. So if you haven't seen it yet, you may want to pause this, watch the movie. Make sure your arm is not evil and come back. <laughs> Otherwise, let's dig right in. So, Matt and Tim, what are your favorite things about body parts? Wow, what a goofy movie, but so good. <laughs> <laughs> I know it was good. My favorite things about body parts are I love the opening credits, obviously, mm. because they're Hitchcocky. Mm. I love just the like, you know, the the anatomical drawings. I love um, how like the letter the letters are all kind of floating, and then a makeup the you know each cast. Yeah, they like member. get assembled like a body yeah, part. Yeah, exactly. Um, I liked all of that very much. The like wonky angle and the kerning of of the letters are um, very pleasing too. Um, yeah, so that was great. I I love the score. I thought the music was really great. The director obviously wanted to make a movie or was obviously inspired by Alfred Hitchcock. And yeah, I think also just like pulpy, like <laughs> crime books, comics, movies, um, from like the forties and fifties, which is cool. I really liked all of the, um, you know, the practical effects in this movie. Yeah. Um, actually, they 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 look real good for a movie that came out in 1990. Um, and like really gross, like even like just like <laughs> like simple stuff like the like the skin of of his new appendage. Yeah. Just has that like scarred kind of like you know, lack of pigmentation kind of, like, look to it. Very Frankenstein-y. Very yes. Frankenstein-y with the scars and everything. And at the end, when there's, like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> all the parts kind of, like, moving around in, in the tank. So the tank oh, and, yeah, that. Um, I love that. The torso in its little pee bottle. Oh, my God. Um, yeah. Um, I forgot all about Jeff Fahey. <laughs> What's he doing now? Uh, I think a lot of DTV stuff. Like, yeah, uh, yeah, shark versus octopus versus <laughs> Tyrannosaurus Rex. Yeah, he was probably in one of my movies, for all I know. I know, very true. <laughs> you would put him in one of your movies. Um, so I, um, I thought he was great. He's got those crazy eyes. Oh yeah, piercing blue eyes. I know that are intense. um that are very good for movies like this which is probably why he kind of got typecast in his career yeah he was great i thought the british lady the the evil british doctor's mad scientist <laughs> who yeah. like um was really good uh <laughs> i like um the <laughs> i'm trying to remember why i wrote down pussy tape recorder but um i did write that down <laughs> Um, but now I, don't. I remember the tape recorder. I remember him using it. Somebody but I don't calls remember it a pussy any... tape recorder. <laughs> it, it's the it's the patient he's interviewing. Oh yes, yes, yes. That's right. The prisoner. Yeah. Yeah, that guy's somebody too, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, famously, he's known as playing uh, a Greek mobster in The Wire. 
Ah. Uh, yes. He's yeah, he's played many a um mobster. Yeah, he's been many yeah, he's in so many things. Yeah. Brad Dourif, obviously. Just, <laughs> just being Brad Dourif. Um I actually <laughs> I actually um meant to send it to you guys, but I took a screenshot of um the scene when they're in his um studio and he says, dumb Cape Cod landscapes. Yes. <laughs> I thought that was very good. Um, I loved it. I love the, um, there's a moment when Bill, when Bill is in the, in like a hotel, I think. And yeah. um, the guy who, who had gotten the legs calls him because he's freaking out and he doesn't know what's going on and. And Bill picks up the phone, and there's this like beautiful green neon light coming in from the window. That was very nice, very pleasing, very Vertigo. Because mm. um, there's a scene in Vertigo when something very similar happens. That fight in the bar, so ridiculous, but so good. <laughs> I love that they're all just like hanging out too, just like a bunch yeah. of guys who have like a serial killer, like about you know their serial killer <laughs> appendages, which is interesting. Because like, well, uh, was it Mark the painter? I can't remember uh, the name, but Brad. Or Dorf, is yeah. it Mark or Re- whoever Brad Dorf was? He was either Remo or Mark. I can't remember. Um, Remo. Brad Dorf is Remo. Like he had previously in scenes, like I want nothing to do with you, man. <laughs> I know. And you then, really like, shifted. And then yeah, and then ten minutes later, so good. <laughs> I think my favorite scene, favorite part of the movie is when we meet the gentleman who was bestowed with Charlie's head. Oh, like the, the serial killer's head. I mean, I guess it's just Charlie now. Yeah. Right. Apparently yeah, yeah, yeah. they cut someone else's head off and put Charlie's yes. head on it. Yep. <laughs> yep. I love like the brace is just so goofy and he's just like <laughs> looking around like, like, why do I have a different head? Like, like, <laughs> Or like, why do I have a different body? And my head's dip- like, wh- like, what's going on? Yeah, Charlie's very confused, but also a man on the mission. Oh yeah, he, that dude is. He's determined. very confused, and just the scene when he is walking away from the burning cars, carrying <laughs> all the limbs know. that he has ceremoniously <laughs> ripped off of the other yeah. two. Yeah, is so goofy and so iconic and so so amazing. Cinema. That, that shot is like the definition of cinema, in my opinion. Honestly, and then when the doctor shows up, and we, and we like, and we're like, ah, okay, I see, I see what's going on here. <laughs> and lastly, I love that they wheel Jafehi in Bill into the operating room to receive his new arm, and he's awake. <laughs> yeah. Why is he awake? <laughs> yeah. And he gets to see his head get lobbed off. I and know. And he sees the head come off and it's like, what is happening? It was just for <laughs> our enjoyment. Like, they were like, oh, shit, we're going to have them forget to give him proper anesthetic or whatever. Oh, until my goodness. this point. For you, audience. For you. Yeah. What a movie. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's like a it's a great schlocky but well done movie. Like it is shot well. Like there you could tell they cared about making this film, even though it kinda is a schlocky premise. It's what if the premise being what if Frankenstein's monster 
was a jigsaw puzzle that's been separated from itself and it has to get back together again. Yeah. And yeah, it's so good. You like, ah, you, you, they don't make it like this no, no. more. Uh, but yeah, I mean, especially because of like the beginning, like it's so Saul Bass Hitchcocky, and like you said, Matt, yeah. like, like you could like, and definitely clearly they probably did that because of since it was based off of choice cuts, and so like, oh, there's your thing. Um, ah, yeah, but it, yeah, it's just, the special effects, the gore effects are great. Seeing. Seeing freaking Jeff Hay Jeff Fahey's st- like stumped up arm. I know it's like so, it's really gross looking. It's, it's really gross and dis- and disturbing. Like it's very effective. And also, what a quick movie too. This thing's like eighty eight minutes. Yeah, I know it's perfect. Perfect. It's like yeah, perfect exactly. It's it's perfect. Yeah, I mean, Brad Dorif. The, the character's name is Remo Lacey. That's wonderful by itself. Remo, you don't hear that name anymore. <laughs> oh, you know, I know like, the names. Um, I wrote one of them down. Detective Shadik Krushank. Shadik. Shadik. Yeah. yeah. Shadik. Yeah. Uh, Sawchuk. Shadchuk. Yeah. Saw. Yeah. It's a. It's a. It's a. It's a tongue twister. And yeah. And the Karen Krushank. Yeah. You know. Yeah. It, it's some good stuff, man. And you know. Charlie Fletcher, and it's. Yeah. specifically charlie ey fletcher i don't know why that's important but like even those subtitles have to let you know right. <laughs> that it's he's a charlie he's a fancy killer i i also liked charlie fletcher sounds like a serial killer like that's a name yeah. like i'm sure that i apologize to the charlie fletchers out there but like that's a name that you're like oh yeah that sounds like a name that could be a serial killer i all right but yeah, okay. <laughs> but yeah i mean and the guy and who played who plays Charlie? Uh John Walsh plays Charlie Fletcher. What a small role because of screen time. But what an impression that he makes, man. Oh, yeah. Just a great <laughs> Where does evil live, guys? Clearly it does does it live in the soul? Does it live in the flesh? No. The evil lives in the brain. Yep. And until the brain <laughs> is destroyed. Yep. Perfect. But yeah, no, what a what a fun friggin' movie. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I I'm gonna repeat a lot of things you guys said. Um I I had definitely seen this movie on TV when I was very young because I remember the accident scene. I remember the accident scene like oh, traumatizing yeah. me when I was young. And it I think it is one of the reasons I'm always worried about horrible accidents when I drive. Um, and I didn't re I didn't actually sit down and watch the movie until probably like my 20s when I went through this period of time where I got into this, the guy who wrote and directed this, Eric Red, I got into his movies and I saw this and I was like, whoa, holy shit, I did not expect this movie. And um, so the, my favorite things about it is, uh, as we talked about the Hitchcock vibes, or as I'm going to call it in this movie, the Hitch Schlock vibes. Because hey, mm. um, like the opening is is so reserved, it tells you like it's like a Hitchcock movie or something. It's suspenseful and all this stuff. And then yeah. like when all this insane bloody shit happens in it, it's it seems so much more jarring than it would be in a sillier movie yeah, because it comes off as almost like highbrow and intelligent. When someone's arm gets torn off, you're like, holy shit, 
Um, you, th- you thought this was your di- your mom and dad's psychological theory <laughs> thriller. Think again. Right. Like, I really like that about this movie. Because, like, you could watch any other scene from this movie that doesn't have gore in it. And you'd think, like, oh, wow, this is a nice suspense movie that I could show to my parents, you know? Mm. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I really like the the opening, the music, the the credits, everything you mentioned, Matt. I, and I like how, like, the suspense parts do work really well when they happen, like, the actual suspense parts. Like, the reveal of the matching death row tattoos. I really mm-hmm. like that. That was cool. Um, yeah. And, like, just, like, yeah, the suspense movies. Like, I miss good suspense movies like this, so that's something I really enjoy about this movie. The cast is really good. Jeff Fahey, I feel like he typically wouldn't get a role like this. You know, he was so frequently cast as the strange guy, but in this, he was effectively the straight man in the movie. Or now he's he's often cast as rednecky type characters. But he was such an interesting choice for this, and he has such a strange face that it really like elevated the movie. I think, and I yeah. think he he was giving one of he was giving an all timer stressed out smoking performances, and like what a top of the world stressed out smoking performance in this movie the him in the cop car oh with God. his collar up looking miserable and sleep deprived yeah. just yeah. fantastic um kim delaney um from nypd blue as his wife uh i think she was also in the direct to video dark man sequels at least the first one um, oh if ah. i remember correct was the f- was that die dark man die or the return of Durant? i believe i can't remember which is first Durant. I I can't remember. Okay. I would like to think they held off on the return of Durant to the third one, but who knows? Me Uh, too. (laughs) Brad Dourif, fantastic. I love the um, you got the other arm, you want to arm wrestle line. (laughs) I know. So funny. So good. Um, And I really liked the cop, uh, Zakes Moke, Zakes Moke, who played him or whatever. Like, he was so strange. Mm. The hat, he was so fancy. Yeah, yeah. Detective Sachuk is like underrated. <laughs> yeah, it was a really fascinating choice. Um, I also love, as you mentioned, the surgery scene. I love the ultra wide wide angle lens to be, uh, you know, uh, Bill's POV during that. That was great. the The fact that his arm is just a disaster. Like they didn't mm-hmm. seem to clean it up or do anything with it. They're just like, in order for the surgery to work, we have to leave this gaping bloody wound open yeah. with flesh everywhere. The all the cops in there around Charlie, like as if he was somehow going to get out of there and they're mm-hmm. reading of his last li- rights as they cut his head off and like the yeah. graphic it's of crazy. his head separating with the funny noise. Oh, what a scene. What a scene. And then she just <laughs> takes the head and walks away. Um, I also love the physical therapy montage. And he's mm-hmm. like, I've got someone else's arm now and I'm better than ever. Like first he's all nervous and then he's like, yeah, I'm like yeah, fucking I'm like strong. ripped with this arm. Like that's so amazing. I also want to point out like he must have really good health insurance because he was seemingly in there for quite some time healing. Like, yeah. wow. Good yeah. for you, Bill. And then my last favorite thing about this movie is just how completely insane it is. Like. Very much. Like, the, the, uh, whatever his name is, the guys with the legs, the legs just going crazy and trying to kill him while he's driving. These dudes drinking together, talking about their murder limbs. (laughs) Like, but he's like, the guy's fucking with him, and Durf is like, you want to see mine too? It's a matching pair. Yeah. The, uh, 
the overly dramatic slow motion bar fight. The fact that the evil also made him a really good fighter. I really mm-hmm. like that too. Um, how how much the movie starts cooking near the end. You know, like the dude just laying there without legs in his bed. The fact that Charlie literally just pulls Brad Dourif's arm off. He he doesn't yeah. cut yeah. it off. He literally just rips it off. Comes off pretty easily. It does. I I remember that was really what got me, like sold me on this movie the first time I saw it. The him just ripping the arm off. I was like, okay, I don't care what this movie does after this. I'm already sold. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That car chase is so good with him handcuffed. I know. And like so it's, good. it's really good stunts like very practical um so damn good charlie's weird face while he's driving charlie getting out of the car and just carrying the limbs with this explosion yeah. behind him um the 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 limbs and the writhing body and the water tank like why is the body yeah. writhing why is it moving <laughs> right. like it's alive, it's alive? Still? is it yeah. like is it alive what's happening it is uh, yeah. like it's just incredible and then him getting his whole head like exploded by a shotgun like whoa Fucking, what a film. What a film. <laughs> uh, do you have any honorable mentions or things you had mixed emotions about, sometimes known as the cronies, and honored David Cronenberg, who I'm sure is a fan of this movie? Oh, yeah, he is. Yeah, I mean, cronies about all the gore, honestly. Yeah. The car crash, and then, like, how did he even, how did that happen? Like, how did he lose his arm in a car, like... Just thinking I about it was like ripped how... off by the seatbelt or something. I... There we go. Yeah. Oof. No, thank you. But the seatbelt would have been like this, and he lost his right arm. So, Not good. so I don't Not really good. know either. Yeah. He did fly through a windshield. I think we can just hand <laughs> it just wave got it. caught in it. Yeah. Yeah. Cronies about um the um I forget his name, but the gentleman who gets his legs ripped off and he's just like laying Mark. in bed like <laughs> I have no legs again. Uh, and, <laughs> and and then Brad Dourif getting his arm ripped off and thrown out a wit like ugh hell yeah horrific yeah 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 so those are all my cronies and then yeah I mean Brad Dourif isn't in it for that long but he's great yeah Cape Cod landscapes <laughs> big time. <laughs> Shitty, <laughs> shitty Cape Cod landscapes, man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, cronies, yeah, all the gore effects are great, but I think the crony has to go to just the reveal of of uh, Jeff Fahey's, like, arm at the beginning after it's lost, and, it's just, mm-hmm. and they're wheeling him into the operating theater. Like, just that reveal of, like, oh, shit, they committed. Yeah. You know? Yeah, like, that's when you fuck. know something's up. Like, Yeah, like, way to go, movie. Holy crap. And then honorable mention... You gotta give it to Detective Sawchuck. Yeah. I love that guy. He's just got the right attitude, you know, the right style. He just he's perfect. He's p- fucking perfect. Especially like when when uh Brad when Remo, Brad Dorf like falls dead on like through their windshield and like oh, yeah. the detective's like, Okay, you're staying with us tonight. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> like you know, like, all right, I believe you now. Yeah. Yeah, he takes his job pretty seriously from the looks of it. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Um, so first, uh, cronies. I I, I want to say honorable mention, but I'm going to give it a crony to Eric Red. Um, so I had no idea who he was. 
So for the okay. for the reference, for those who don't know, he wrote the movie Near Dark, uh, the Catherine Bigelow vampire movie with uh, Bill mm-hmm. Paxton. Um, I believe it was produced by James Cameron or something, or maybe it was just produced by Gail Ann Hurd. I, I don't know. But either way, it's got a lot of James Cameron pedigree going on because Catherine Bigelow was also his wife at one point. Um, yeah. But he wrote that. He made that movie Bad Moon that I really like with the dog versus the werewolf. Um, yeah. He made the movie The Hitcher uh, with yeah. Rudger Hauer, which was remade some years ago. And I think a couple others that I'm drawing a blank on. But he's he's a... I had no idea who he was, but I figured out who he was because I, Arrow in the Head from Joe Blow was obsessed with him <laughs> back oh, in the wow. day. Wow. And I figured out who he was, and I was like, how did I not know who this dude is? He did so many interesting movies and stuff like that, but his name is not super famous. And I, I really like his bizarre style. He is, He's really good at, like, tension and legitimate horror, but also kind of, like, ver- visceral and somewhat... B-movie-esque violence. Um, mm-hmm. He's he's an interesting dude, but I, I it's also kind of a crony because I'm not sure if he's, like, mentally well. Um, possibly little-known fact, he was in a car accident, and the car went out of control, and he crashed into a bar. He killed two people. He yeah. got out of the car, saw that he had killed two people, and picked up a shard of glass from the from the crash and slit his throat with it. Oh wow! Yep. But he lived. He lived. Um, so I'm not sure what to think of Eric Red. You know, I don't know. Maybe he's good at this stuff because he's unwell. I I have no idea. Wow. Uh, but uh, honorable mention to I or maybe it's a grody to the message of this movie. Like you were saying, Tim, the whole movie seems to be like going like, where is evil? Is it in the blood? <laughs> Is it in the soul? You know, like it's a whole thing. And then in the end of the message, it's just, no, it's not in the blood as long as your brain isn't active. You need the brain to be active for the psychic link of evil to work. And then it's fine. Like, what a strange conclusion. (laughs) Yeah, they're really sleeping on the fact that the nervous system isn't so much a physical a thing that needs to be there but it's really a psychic connection we yeah. a, te- a telekinetic connection we, we form with our bodies very very bizarre um <laughs> i guess they don't like brains or something i don't know, hey, you know. honorable mention to uh to what to a type of scene we don't have enough of anymore in my opinion the Parents doing work in bed while wearing full pajamas scene. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. That was that used to be a very popular thing. We don't really see that anymore. It was nice. Cronies to the accident. Oh, God, yes. Totally traumatized me as a child. I still think yeah. of it sometimes. I'll just be driving and it'll just like pop in my head. I feel like that whole scene is very well directed. The way that it zooms in on the bad tire on the other car. Like it. I think oh, it's really God, well yeah. done. The zoom on his face flying through the windshield and it's so it's so shocking but we don't see any gore in the actual accident yeah you know know. it just like seems super dangerous and deadly our imaginations is filling the blanks Yeah. yeah yeah it's crazy Honorable mention to the cops walking by with guns in the hospital early as a really nice hint of what's going on yeah. So many cops with so many shotguns. Yeah. And it was nice of them to get scrubbed up to be in the OR, too. Oh, I know. I know. But with their surgical shotguns or whatever. Um, yeah. Uh, cronies for his weird stitched up scarred arm, uh, especially when the bandage is stuck to it and they're trying mm. to peel it off. Mm. Um, 
Honorable mention to the 90s fingerprint scanning tech and all the noises it makes. <laughs> of course. Love that shit. That's how you know it's working. Yeah. <laughs> Honorable mention to him realizing he has a mass murderer's arm. I'd probably start smoking in bed too, you know? I, I don't <laughs> smoke now, but if I found out I had a serial killer's arm, I'd probably be smoking in bed right now. <laughs> I love the basketball scene that may or may not be implying that he could not dunk before he was given Charlie's legs. Mm. Yeah. Like, yeah. was Charlie really good at basketball? <laughs> no, <laughs> I, they're, they're, they're just showing Charlie's evil strength, evil <laughs> preternatural strength that he contained, which is why he killed 20 people with his bare hands. I know. Cronies to Bill moving into a hotel because he attacked his family and leaving Yo, a yeah. funny voicemail greeting about it. Yep. He's like, it's Bill, uh, you know, in exile, waka waka. Excuse me? You assaulted your family. <laughs> That's why you're there. Like, why? Wild. Ballsy. Savage. <laughs> Honorable mention to what looks like some stunt driving that Jeff Fahey did himself. There are multiple shots where you can see that he's driving the car. Like, the sh right after he gets that phone call, it all in one shot, he gets in the car and peels out, like, across several lanes and drives away. And there's another shot of him driving, I think, the cop car at the end. Um, mm. It's possible they had another driver hidden in the back. They do that sometimes, but... I wouldn't be surprised. I'm going to guess he did his own stunt driving. Oh, yeah. I would agree with that. I mean, that, those are the type of skills that they teach you in one life to live. <laughs> oh, wow. Is that where he is? Wow. Um, honorable mention to Brad Dourif's paintings. Um, yeah. I tried to figure out who did them. I couldn't find anything on them, but I, I like them nice and creepy. Um, and then the last two honorable mentions was uh, honorable mention to keeping the camera on uh, Bill and his wife as the cameras as the credits start to make us nervous that the hand is going to do something. Yeah. Um, I like that. And I also honorable mention to the umbrella in the background that is the exact same as the Umbrella Corporation logo. <laughs> oh, wow. Ooh, you heard it here first, folks. Body parts is connected to the Resident Evil universe. <laughs> yep. That's how it started. <laughs> I can see that doctor absolutely trying to make the T-virus. <laughs> what didn't you like about body parts? Was there anything that confused you? Um, confused about why... So the doctor yeah. takes, the s takes Charlie and splits up all his organs and gives them to different people. Yeah. But then also puts his head on some... Like, why did she then want all of the limbs back? It was, was it a just way, like an experiment? It was an experiment, one, because she was like, we can now transplant heads. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But also, I believe she was trying to get Charlie back. It was a way of getting around his death sentence. Right. Um, mm. Because he would be dead, but she could bring him back to life. That I don't know uh, why. I can't remember. They're not related or anything. I, no. I don't know. I can't remember, yeah. but... So I believe that's why. Yeah, the the relationship between the two of them is is very what? Yeah, <laughs> right. I was confused by that. And I wish there was more like psychological stuff. They like make such a point of him being like a teacher and like <laughs> and like a you know he like 
tries to rehabilitate prisoners. Well, he doesn't really rehabilitate them. He tries to... He's researching, really. Um, yeah. You know, prove that they were of sound mind so they can get executed, I guess. Yeah. America. Um, yay. <laughs> America. Um, and, like, he has the, the, like, journal with, like, the, like, over, you know, the voiceover. Um, but, like, all of that is just kind of, like, I don't know. I feel like they didn't, like, do enough to make him, you know psychological stuff in movies is always kind of like if you get it if you like don't really spend time to like i don't know research it or like to have it be really a part of i feel like it was just kind of like a plot device to have him be it was a bait it was, it was kind of a, a bait and switch, bait and switch. Yeah. um right yeah but yeah so i wish there was a little more of that to kind of flesh out his no Why? pun intended, of course, Matt. Oh, Flash yeah, out. no, exactly. But yeah, besides that, I liked it. It's goofy, yeah. but I like it. Right. Yeah. It's the tonal shifts. The movie takes a while because so it's trying to do it's doing the bait and switch deliberately, I think, right? They want to yeah. make it more Hitchcocking and thrillery. But that's not what the movie really is. And I think in its attempt to pull that surprise and subvert our expectations, it comes across as very Wait, what kind? The tone feels a little uneven in places until it finally decides that yeah. yes, no, this is schlock. <laughs> let's right. let's like check it out. We're gonna do we're gonna do a car chase with the where two guys are handcuffed to each other in opposite cars, you know, and and uh, our main villain looks really angry, but also terribly confused <laughs> to be here. <laughs> so yeah. It's, that that tone that tonality dissonance was oh, yeah. you know the most off putting thing about it, but it is it's a great goofy movie, man. Like you said, it's a goofy movie. Yeah, um, I really like this movie. Um, I feel like I I I remember the ending going harder, but it it it's it's like kind of like as soon as the movie starts cooking, it's like over. Like yeah. very shortly after, I wouldn't yeah, have minded it very going true. a little longer with that like even like five minutes more something like that sure yeah but yeah that's about that's about it um i am confused about one thing it seems Mm -hmm. like brad duraf's character is a struggling artist how the fuck does he afford that giant studio (laughs) it was the classic conundrum (laughs) it's the classic new york conundrum i mean look at look at friends how do they ever you know so it's her. It's Monica's grandmother's apartment, and it's rent controlled. Aha! <laughs> that's it. Okay, that's it. So that's what it's Brad Dorf's too. That was his grandmother's <laughs> a that you're, warehouse. You're probably right. You're probably right. So. Do you have a favorite death scene? Ooh, I mean, I guess probably Brad Dorf's because you just <laughs> see the arm get ripped off. Yeah, and there's no leverage for that to happen. Too. I know. He's there's like <laughs> I know. What do you like, mean? It, it had to have been barely attached in the first Exactly. It's like the arm wanted to return to its home. He I didn't know. so much rip the arm off as he freed it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I've got to give my favorite kill uh, just to uh, Mark, the leg dude, just because they there he is, dead in his bed. <laughs> Blood dead everywhere. In then it's just like, oh fuck, okay. Like it was I just like that reveal. Like, you know, you knew you knew what you're gonna see, but you didn't again, the movie went hard with right. it's like, nope, right. look at you're just fucking meat. That's what the human body is. <laughs> look at this meat hanging off of his 
his hips. Yep. Just deal with it. Take it in, audience. <laughs> yeah. I, I always wonder, did they cut did did Charlie cut the legs off or just rip those off too? Uh, he he ripped them I off. No. <laughs> they looked ripped. They did yeah. look ripped. And you know what? Again, no leverage needed. I'm sure Mark wasn't grabbing onto anything, and Charlie just literally just said, pop, pop. And <laughs> These are mine now. Thank you. But it's it's interesting because we've established that Charlie's body, his his physical parts are mm-hmm. almost superhuman, like unusually strong because of, I guess, evil, you know? Yes. So yes. does but somehow the body he's attached to is also incredibly strong. Mm-hmm. Strange. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wonder whose body that was. Was that another murderer's body? Who knows? <laughs> It's just murderers all the way down, right? Yeah, for me, uh, I, I, I want honorable death to Charlie's head just like exploding. Um, that was pretty great. But yeah, I, I, I got to give it to Duriff. The dude just gets the dude just gets his arm just ripped off and falls to his death. Whew, yeah, dude. brutal. Do you have? Would you give any random aesthetic choices in body parts a breaky award in honor of the windbreakers in the Neil Blomkamp movie Demonic? Um, good use of turtlenecks and um, <laughs> shoulder shoulder pads and long yeah. coats. Yeah, like any good eighties, early nineties movie. Mm. And yeah, I mean that scene with the light, with the green light, just was just really nice. And then you know the opening credits, just I just loved it. And yeah, yeah, it's a nicely shot aesthetic movie for the subject matter yeah you know yeah i agree i mean yeah like like if i gotta give the break you to one of jeff Fahey's sweaters it was like this really <laughs> it was a black knit turtleneck sweater and i just like loved it because yeah. like it gets like a little frayed and damaged in the scene it was in so and, and both chrissy and i are like oh wait the sweater <laughs> <laughs> not the sweater no no so yeah gotta give it to the sweater all right yeah, there's a lot of potential breakies because yeah, it, it, I think it's a very, I think it's a surprisingly nice looking movie. Um, <laughs> potential runner up breaky for his trench coat, real mm-hmm. nice coat, especially how he can he has the collar up a lot of the time. Uh, honor, runner up breaky for the leg guy's red car. I think it's like a like a early '80s Camaro. I think. I just know it's not like an 85 or an 87 because then it'd be an IROC. You know, that's all I know. Um, <laughs> yeah, runner-up breaky for the weird-looking hospital. It's very ominous when he pulls up to it at the end. It looks like, I don't know, it's a very strange-looking hospital. Mm. Runner-up breaky for all the streets at night. Like, city <laughs> streets just look so much darker and scarier in the like late 80s early 90s shot on film i don't know why they just looked like the the black of the sky is just so dark it's because you had the because with the film sock you had to blast a lot of light to yeah. get anything to show so it's yeah. easy to get your crushed blacks i i guess so yeah it's just there's just something about that i i really like um i'd almost give it I'd almost give my breaky to Jeff Fahey's eyes because they're just... I know. I know. Piercing. They're just really something and they work really well with the movie. But I think I'm going to give my breaky to the shot of Charlie carrying his limbs as a car explodes behind him. It's just... uh, It speaks to me. Yeah. You know? Now, finally, uh, do you see yourself watching Barty Parts again in the future? And do you think you'll be recommending it to anyone? 
Yes, absolutely. Anybody, any fan of horror movies or, you know, um, pulpy, crimey movies, I think would, would like this. Um, and it's at a brisk pace, which, (laughs) you know, makes it nice for a a rewatch. I think the rewatch factor on this one is pretty high as long as you're, you know, already a fan of gore and stuff like this. Limbs. Yeah. yeah. Do you like limbs? You should watch this movie. <laughs> I mean, yeah, just echo Matt's words. It's a great goofy movie. Uh, you should definitely see it, and I'll definitely see it again. Neither of you had seen this before, right? No. Yeah. Uh, once very long ago, so I forgot everything about okay. it. So I have just technically like I've seen it new. Because I definitely was like pretty obsessed with it at some point when I was probably like, 24 or 25 so i mm-hmm. i i thought maybe i made you guys watch it before i wasn't sure yeah obviously i i'm i'm a fan of this movie you know i'm sure i'll watch it again more than once um and i would definitely rec- recommend it to anyone who likes really kind of crazy body horror movies or anyone who likes like hitchcock type suspense movies but wishes they went crazier with it mm, um yeah i would i would definitely recommend it to anyone like that all right, before we go, did either of you watch any other movies this week that you'd like to quickly recommend or not recommend? I did not, but I think both of you saw um, something s- starring one of our favorite Scientologists. <laughs> <laughs> we did. We saw oh, yeah. Mission 7, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. Um, yeah, I don't know. Tim, do you, do you have anything you want to say about it? This is definitely the most cartoonic and lighthearted Mission Impossible movies, I would argue. Wow, yeah. interesting. Is, yeah, I agree. It, it was def- a little sillier. It's yeah, a little sillier. Um, and I think that's okay. And I think when you're spinning a series down, right? Because is this supposed to be the first of the final? Like, possibly. I'm hearing conflicting reports, but possibly oh, okay. yes. Yeah, I'm not sure. Okay. So if they do spin this series down and Tom Cruise gets to die in another movie somewhere else, <laughs> um, then I think this is a perfectly fine way of doing things of just, you know what? Sharks have been jumped. So literally <laughs> by t- Tom Cruise, you know, in some way or another. That'll be in the next one. You probably in the next one, he's going to jump a literal shark. They'll genetically clone and raise a megalodon for him <laughs> to jump because Jason Statham can't have all the megalodon fighting credit. Uh-huh. But yeah, I mean, it's yeah, it was, it's it was fun as hell. Um, bold choices were made uh, in some characters' uh, arcs, mm. uh, and it's yeah. And again, it was smart of them in the marketing to say this is part one. You're not going to get all of your answers right away, yeah. so just yeah. But it's a, it's a, it's it was fun as hell. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's certainly a very good movie. Um, it's very well made all around. The cast is really strong. Um, I definitely felt like, yeah, it was like more lighthearted. It, 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 it's missing some of the grit and grime of the previous movies, especially like the first and the fifth and sixth, you know. But yeah, um, I, I <laughs> this is something that I say a lot. So I, I apologize for sounding annoying when I say it. But this one was shot digitally. And uh right. Previously, they were not. There were part, to my understanding, there were parts of the sixth one that were shot digitally. The director of photography on this one w- shot the helicopter sequence in part six, 
And interestingly, I think that is the, other than the amazing scale of the stunts and everything of that scene, I think it is the worst looking part of part six. Everything else in that movie looks incredible to me. It was shot by, I think the director of photography was Rob Hardy, who did the rest of the movie, and it looks really, really amazing. Um, But the helicopter sequence is very bright and clear. You know, it doesn't have the edge that the rest of the movie has. And I feel like that was kind of brought over here. It's it's technically a very good looking movie, but it just doesn't have the like the the sexy, dangerous kind of vibe that the previous mm. ones had. So that kind That's of bummed me out. Excellent point. Yeah. That might be a me thing, though. I you know, I, I don't know if it'll bother everyone else, but it was I thought it was very good. Palm Clement Clementif is really, really good in it. Um, yep. She's the villain. She's one of the villains, yeah. She's she's mm-hmm. really really good, and I Ursai Ursai Morales, I think is it Ursai. He plays like the other villain, and he's very good. Yeah, I always like it when he shows up and stuff. Yeah, he's really good. Deals with AI, I'll say. Like, I don't want it to spoil too much, but it deals with AI, and it's a very compelling subject and very topical. Um, and I, one thing, the last thing I'll mention is probably my favorite part of the movie is there's a nightclub scene, and <laughs> they. Uh, Lauren Balf, who did the music, who also did the music for Ambulance, um, he he, I'm get it must have been him. He makes a techno song that perfectly scores the entire scene. It's just a techno song that's playing in the background the entire time, but it perfectly scores everything that happens in the scene. Like the parts will drop out at the right times, little things will happen at the right times. They kind of did something similar in the fifth one, where they uh, had a scene kind of be scored by the opera that they were at, mm. and um, which was not Lauren Balf, but um, they did that here. And I haven't really heard anyone mention it, but I thought it was really, really cool, and it was really, really good. Um, that's probably my favorite part of the movie. But yeah, I really liked it. I, I'm hoping that part two is even better, though. That's all that I'll say. Yeah, it's that good old diegetic music, man. Oh, shoo. So good when it happens. Uh, I want to throw this out here. Uh, Chrissy highly. Uh, this is a recommendation from Chrissy Kropeski, my, my wife. Um, <laughs> she, when asked to be uh, to appear on the show to give her recommendation, recommendation she declined uh, for fear of who knows. Okay. <laughs> um, but Chrissy uh, wants to recommend the black and white version of Johnny Mnemonic on the Criterion Collection app. I heard about that on Twitter. I heard it really elevates the movie. And I, I watched some of it, and I got to, and I agree a hundred percent. It fascinating. It makes the movie. It makes the movie better. And I, it's a guilty pleasure of mine. Don't get me wrong. Like, but it is a goofy movie. <laughs> um, don't forget, there's still a dolphin that hacks computers in it, but. It looks better. And wow. it, yeah, it just feels better. So that's the Chrissy Kopeski quick wreck. All right. Thank you, Chrissy. Yeah, I, I saw screenshots from it on Twitter. It looked really interesting. I'm 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 intrigued to say the least. You a doctor? Yes. Uh check his chin. <laughs> doctor has fainted. Can somebody help this man here? I think the corpse. I mean the, the patient. Look, elephant! Up oh, the sound of one of the great lines from Last Action Hero means we are out of time. We'll be back in two weeks with a new episode, assuming our limbs and torsos aren't removed and left wiggling in a giant water tank before then. If you have any questions for me, Matt, or Tim, you can reach us through our email, aiptmoviespod at gmail.com, or find us on Twitter at aiptmoviespod. If you like this podcast or any of the other great podcasts, articles, or features on AIPT, you can help support the site and the people who work on it by signing up for our Patreon at patreon.com slash aiptcomics. 
Thanks for listening, and don't forget, it's okay to love movies. They may not be able to love you back, but they'll always be there for you. Ew. uh... (laughs) (laughs) See what I did there?